Welcome to Season 3 of Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. C.H. Siddons. Season 3. Season 3 is here. The junior year. The ju- <laughs> That's right. It is the junior year. Yeah. We got over the sophomore slump. Yeah. Which wasn't really a slump. It was really a, no, it was a, good a high point. It was it a was, pinnacle. It was a good year. Who, yeah. knew, who knew 10th grade could be so wonderful? Right? Yep. And Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, man. How are you, buddy? I'm great. Glad, glad to be back. Good to see you. Yeah. Uh, folks, we're glad you're joining us again for our third season. I can't believe we're coming back. The band hasn't broken up. We're still together. Indeed. And we're going to keep going strong. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Ed's Not Dead PC. You can also visit our website, uh, edsnotdead.com. And as always, we're brought to you by Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Mm-hmm. Boys, it's good to be back. Yeah. All right. Crable already told me. Not too much time. Cur- curtail your summer, <laughs> summer talk. Summer story. Summer, summer talk. Stock, blah, blah. Summer <laughs> stock. All right. Let's start with you, Case. How was the summer? It was great. I, really, I, want, I do want to mention that our photographs yeah. on the website... Are amazing on point. Are really Bruna are, Bruna Photography. Br- yeah, dot com. Bruna Henevese. Yeah, outdid herself. So good. Yeah, she's an amazing photographer. Tell us about uh, your very pregnant wife. She is pregs. <laughs> she is pregnant. Jeez, oh, Casey's going to be a dad, Mister Gray. It's, it's scary. It's so do you all, right name. Do you all take the the phrase? We are pregnant, or do you say she's pregnant? If if, if I ever hear you say we are pregnant, <laughs> I don't the, say the, we the are sh- pregnant. The show will cease. We are having a baby. <laughs> that, do people that, say that? that well, you are not pregnant. That's, that's a, what I'm saying. That's like. a millennial thing. <laughs> it's not a millennial yes, thing. Yes, it, it is. <laughs> I do. I've, I've never, never those heard. Words have never come. <laughs> I've so, never heard. So a I've had people come up to be come up to me and say. So when are you all due? And I'm like, well, she's due on November seventh. <laughs> That's hysterical. I think it takes a ba- takes them back a little bit. Uh, That's so weird. It is so say that, but it's also weird to me. And I know that you're all sports fans. Yeah, we are. Uh, unlike, and when you say like, uh, unlike you, we're having a tough season. It's like, <laughs> well, we we're having a tough season. Yeah, no. I'm, Where's your ring? That that's a sports talk radio thing too. When 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 radio hosts that clearly root for a specific team when they say we, yeah. it really upsets people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I'm a I have a football team that I like, and I think I probably do say we sometimes. Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Anyway, how's your bride? How's she feeling? She's doing great. Yep, yep. Babies due when? Oh, supposedly November seventh, okay. but I think it's going to be earlier. Okay. Might More be, importantly, might be a Halloween baby. Casey, how are you feeling? Yeah. You know what? It's it must been be hard t- for you that your wife is it's pregnant. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. I have to like do Ooh, a no, lot. No. Okay. I'm sorry. She's making me. I had to tie her shoes today. Mm. Really? That's ridiculous. That's, no, that's, okay. You better. <laughs> I'm be, just kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Be no, I'm sorry. Kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. We're doing a bit. We're kidding. We're totally gonna freak you out because we're going to focus on a story called We Have Ruined Childhood by, <laughs> by Kim Brooks tonight. But so, not you. You're doing great. No, yeah, I'm yeah, Listen, yeah. I'm already like a number one father of the year. Yeah. That's right. You're gonna I be, think. You're going to be good. Absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. You got your baby camera set up? Uh, working on it. Okay. They're working gonna, on it. So you're going to have I went the with, feed on your phone? I know. So here's the oh, thing. that's so I, I did that the first one. I had the, uh, yep, I went the, the Wi-Fi camera. I, I bucked Don't trend. do it. Don't I did do the it. audio, right? Okay. And then I was convinced to do the video. So you're going to do the video, yeah. So you can watch. You'll the use little, it for a little bit, and then yeah, we'll just like, a little this, bit. You're going to make this first is one healthy, just to alleviate some anxiety. Remember the title of the article: "We Have Ruined Childhood." Yeah. Listen, I want to. If I'm going to ruin it, I'm going to ruin it right on day one, old-fashioned way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. First stop. I will say on a positive note. So I've gotten quite a few comments this summer about 
um, the amount of gray hair that I now have. <laughs> have you really? Yeah, like four people. I was like, what? Really? Are you sensitive about it? Uh, no, it was just kind of oh. like within a week, four people said something to me. So yeah. it kind of struck me. But I attribute it all to children. Um, but on the positive note, you don't have any hair. That's right. So you're good <laughs> to go. Yeah. You'll, you'll look the same. I, I, I had to take out the the obligatory hair comment no hair comment in my speech to new educators in august no you don't why because the same group of of vips was in the state yeah, they heard like, the joke already they did i was like ah, they're probably it. not gonna remember it but yeah. i don't want to do it again you can't, yeah don't ever use i gotta i gotta i gotta keep it close yeah. to the vest yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean all right well we're very excited for you we're, we we're, are very excited because we're gonna be we're gonna be we're gonna be full into season three when when baby sittings arrives that's right right. yeah so we're gonna take and we're we're not gonna accommodate him at all i was gonna say there's absolutely (laughs) yeah this is this we we chose a date listen this is the private sector there is no No. paternity leave Uh, we have family medical leave in this company as per we do not our llc policy (laughs) our federal poster that we have not posted uh I have a right to FMLA. I'm just telling you, pulp education is not going to. Yeah, we buck the trend. Cut you any slack. That's right. <laughs> All right, Mr. Krabs. Uh, I saw you frequently at the pool. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how hard you were working. Very you, hard. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you had your three kid, kids in tow at times. Yeah. Yeah. How was your summer? It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of non-education uh, stuff. Did I, don't, a trip, I don't understand trip. these people that do education stuff all summer. Uh, do you didn't write any blogs? Uh, did not write any blogs. <laughs> tweeted very little. <laughs> I know he had tweeted in a month. Uh, um, He's got to get Ed's not dead PC going again. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, did other other stuff. It was did, great. Did a nice nice Colorado hiking trip with, a, you, with your big bro. Amazing uh, hiking trip uh, out near Leadville, Colorado. Um, just basically hiked from eight in the morning till six at night every day. Every hike ended with. A nice uh, dip in Alpine Lake that That's was pretty sweet. Probably about thirty-eight degrees. It was very cold water, but um, yeah, it was incredible. Bond, bonded with your bro. Yeah, very nice to spend some time with him. Awesome. So, all right, um, my summer was melancholy. Yes. I yeah. I um, my my dad passed away in July, and um, he was ninety, as you guys know. Yep. He was a great guy, um, but uh, you know he. He, he did me a solid by waiting till the summer, so the school year was over. <laughs> that sounds totally inappropriate, but I actually I actually asked him if he would do that. Uh, and he, as a former educator, he he um, he hooked me up with his with his last thing, so I was able to spend a lot more time with him in July yeah. than I would have been able to if the school year was going on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so thank you guys for coming to the service. There was a big celebration yeah. of his. Of his life as a dad, but also uh, his life as an educator. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So definitely learned a lot. Uh, very nice uh, ceremony. Uh, yeah. And so Al was a, a progressive thinker. Yes, he was. In a time when maybe progressive thinking wasn't always valued, mm-hmm. even in progressive parts of the country. Yep. yep. Uh, someone who was willing to stand up for what was right mm-hmm. against segregation, mm-hmm. for inclusion and equality mm-hmm. for all students. Mm-hmm. Again, even when everybody was not about that yep. in a time when busing yep. um, was prevalent yep. in a time when desegregation had been court ordered, but had not always been followed yep. um, by individual school districts Listen or schools. Listen to Crable, he's got it all figured out. Yeah. Jeez. I think I was supposed to let you say No, that's that. good. You're, no, you're doing it. Yeah, keep um, going. Yeah. No, I was very impressed to hear some of the things he do- it did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what else? I mean, is there more to add that, to the to the pastiche? I, uh, you know, he would, he always said that, I mean, my gosh, he was a principal at 27. 
I was shocked uh, yeah, to hear that. I yeah, was like, and, and I mean, that wouldn't happen today, typically. Maybe in some parts of the country it might happen, but certainly in in urbanized settings uh, with the way leadership development has gotten so sophisticated in some mm-hmm. systems, it would be tough to be a principal at 27. And he always said that he was kind of in the right place at the right time. It was the middle of the 20th century uh, when he first became a teacher. And, um, you know, he, he, the baby boom was happening. Mm-hmm. So you figure he started teaching in 1953. That first crop of baby boomers were, were entering just coming in, yeah, just coming yep. into school. Um, and he was elementary school. He was an elementary yeah. school educator. Yeah. He thought he was going to be a secondary educator. Um, but he opted for elementary school and, um, he worked at a really, uh, progressive elementary school in Silver Spring, right outside DC called Parkside. And, um, as I said in my speech, Parkside was founded by a woman named C. Mabel Smith, who was a disciple of John Dewey at, uh, Columbia Teachers College. And kids got freedom cards at, Parkside, you could earn your freedom card. Um, some people might say that Parkside was maybe socialist and at worst communist. Uh, but it, sounded, it, was, it sounded a little bit that yeah, way. Yeah, freedom cards. I don't know if that would go over well today, but uh, but it had a big influence. He was a student there, and they became became the principal there. What was that noise? I have no idea. That was outstanding. Sorry. Um, any anyway, so he 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 just had this career that like it just aligned with all the big big issues of 20th century public education well, he was t- t- i mean two steps removed from john dewey yes he was i mean john dewey yep. is still yeah, yeah still 100 a paragon, year, 100, 100 years later 100 paragon years of later. education yep. the quotes yeah all the quotes you see are just like yep. yes yeah that yeah. is what I yeah think. i mean john dewey is the progressive educator yeah um and then you know there was sputnik in there mm-hmm. and he was an elementary science guy that was kind of his his love. Although at the celebration, you'll you'll remember that that a very renowned environmental educator accused him of not knowing anything about science, <laughs> which, which was pretty funny. Uh, but he taught himself about elementary science, yeah. and that was kind of a burgeoning field at the time. Right. Um, he was actually involved in separating social studies and science in the curriculum. Okay. Uh, because at one time they were the they were one in the same. Wow. Um, and then uh, uh, the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, the Civil Rights Act, uh, certainly Brown versus Board of Education, all those things really kind of impacted his career. Yeah. Um, and then, the, then the, the culmination of it was really the desegregation in the 70s, uh, which, uh, you know, it was funny. He was fading right after um, uh, Harris's comments about Biden's mm-hmm. stance on busing in Delaware. Right. And I wanted to have a conversation with him about it uh, because that was just right in his wheelhouse in his time. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't, but I'd be curious. It's so funny how these educational issues come come back around. Full circle. That's yep. probably what I'm going to miss the most with him is that I won't be able to come back to him with these kinds of things and get his get his insight on him. But anyway. And he, I remember at some point um, we were talking in – you know, I can't remember what the topic was, but it was about doing the right thing, mm-hmm. and that you know, in retrospect, like oftentimes, let's say you you supported segregated schools or something like that, and I think your dad said something along the lines of, you know, you don't need thirty years to change your mind. You can also thirty years ago have had the progressive stance or yeah. had the right minded stance. Yep, um, it doesn't necessarily always have to happen way after the fact. Right. Yeah. And I think from everything I heard, that was. Sort of your dad in in a nutshell. Yeah, he had very strong values that he stood up for yes. at the time when not everybody was for them. Yeah, and you know the the funny thing is is that 
I mean, he was the first to integrate a, a, a little league baseball team in Montgomery County. Right. Um, and I think he was 27 years old, right about the time he became a principal when he did it. And he was the child of immigrants. And I've always kind of wondered where his beliefs and values about equality and equity and race came from. Because, I mean, it wasn't like his parents were, I mean, they weren't overly enlightened as struggling immigrant parents right. um, coming from England. Right. But somewhere, somehow, he, and it meant my, my, my mom might have had a significant influence on him also. Uh, she was maybe, she was, she was from a more educated background. Um, but those values and those beliefs were there and he lived them out in his career. Yeah. Um, and you know, I feel like he had a big influence on me and, you know, I, I kill you guys with his sayings all the time. <laughs> so anyway, well, thank you for like, giving me a chance to talk about him. Yeah. What do you think his legacy will be? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would, you know, I think his, I think his legacy, uh, was that I mean to to he he always rooted for the underdog that was his thing um if if he saw kids or communities that that needed more needed something different um needed a fair shake then that's what he was about yeah um and and I think I think that would be his legacy in in education. I hope that would be his legacy in his kids and his grandkids. Do you feel like that informed your work as a principal? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't obviously have to deal with busing in the 1970s like he did, but um, you know, no child left behind and the achievement gap and uh systemic institutionalized racism in in schools and classrooms and teaching mm-hmm. um i mean i've you know all those things have been things that i've i've tried to confront and so um and that just kind of came naturally i feel like it had something to do with his influence on me yeah so um and those things are still i mean those are things we talk about on the show all the time yeah they haven't gone Same away topics, yeah. absolutely yeah. some of it is in uh Maybe less overt way, overt. Oh yeah, ways. It's Cert- very. Certainly. There's a lot of undertones. Certainly, that people can easily defend against. Yeah, but when you bring up boundary studies or busing, that's the thing. I mean, those things yeah. are still. I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about the resegregation of public schools in the United States. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that there was that political will back then to do that, to to bus. Uh, you know, I, and and when we had, um, when we had the author of the, what was the book? Uh, color of law color of law on um he didn't really think busing was that great of a thing either no that's more um, of a band-aid right approach yeah but it but, but it worked but it worked yeah he was, he was for yeah. the outcome yeah. of what yes. busing accomplished I, I, not I, the, like the act of ab- busing. Ab- right. absolutely yeah. for as onerous as some people thought it was in, in the time um it made a it made a big difference in a lot of kids lives yeah so uh, anyway um yeah so Thank you guys. Yeah. 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 It's good. He'll 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 come to me as we do this show many times in yeah. the future. Um all right, what else you got? Any show feedback? Yeah, we got some good show feedback. We made a top twenty list. That's right. Mr. Yeah. Cra- that's because of you, Mr. Craig. <laughs> hey. You're out there marketing it. That's it's right. not dead. That's yeah, right. Well, tell us tell us real quick. Uh it's called Top Twenty Educational Podcasts. You must subscribe and listen to now we were number one on that list right we were on the list okay. it was in no particular order yeah. okay it yes. wasn't no I don't okay think so. yeah. it wasn't it just, wasn't a just generally i have to say i saw us at 20 and i kind of was a little 
crestfallen, <laughs> but now that you're saying it wasn't a no, ranking. I, no, okay. no, no, no. Uh, but yeah, and I um, I corresponded with the guy a little bit afterwards. So um, it's via Feedspot. So we'll put that in our show notes. Okay. Yep, cool. Check it out. It'll be some there. Other, included with some other other good names on there as well. Just shows you how much Ed's not dead rocks. That's right. That's yeah, right. We do. It's the best education podcast out there. Yes, it is. Uh, our friend Phyllis Fagel had a recent article in the Washington Post, Seven Ways Parents and Educators Can Improve Kids' Middle School Experiences. Both C.H. Siddons and, and Dr. Robert Dodd were quoted uh, as opposed to Mr. Crable. Who <laughs> I'm very happy for both of you that you were both quoted. <laughs> who has implemented Project Success, happy. as he points out, longer than both you and me hey. and gets no love from anybody. You know, we love you, Mr. Craig. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank you. yeah, and you're doing the good. You're doing the good. <laughs> you know, work. Mott the Hoople made all the young dudes popular. Yeah, David Bowie wrote it. Uh, we all know David Bowie. Is, you know, that's right. Any, anyway, so congratulations to Phyllis on another great article on tweens, as she calls them. I sent it to my parents. Did you? And they they Facebooked it all over their friends. Oh, very, very nice. Very excited. So I proud got of our son in the Wapo. That's right. Fist bump. <laughs> nice job. So I got texts from my high school history teacher. And you're also in Phyllis's new book, Middle School Matters. Okay, you're not, <laughs> but I am. So that's all that really matters. See, aren't you happy for him, Casey? <laughs> I am very happy. I thought you were in there. I haven't read through the whole thing yet. So I'm a Phil, Phyllis gave Project Success some some love. You're in the index. In, no, <laughs> I am. Project Success is in the index. Ooh. And Robert W. Dodd. Oh, I didn't look for wow. my name. I'm in the index, really? Oh, yeah. That is I'm also. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Phyllis. And Phyllis, continue your awesome work on middle school. It is, you are, you are... She's focused on middle school in a way well, that... The well-being yeah, of mil- middle school I, I, children Unlike anybody else right yeah, now, I think. Yeah. I mean, she's really... She's de- she, definitely she, in the vanguard. She is dialed yeah. in. And she's talking to people that really know a lot about tweens, early adolescence. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I like how she, she gets school in there. It's not just yep. about psychosocial development. She's talking about education School's also. School's a yeah. part of it, too. Yep. yep. Um, so uh, this show tonight, folks, we are going, when we come back, we're going to talk about We Have Ruined Childhood by Kim Brooks. And then we're also going to have a famous C.H. Uh, Siddons quiz at the end of the show. What, what? Uh, I, I will tell you that um, I'll leave you I'll leave you this before we go to the break, that um, I'm, getting, I'm getting hammered that we're not doing Dear Betsy enough. Well, so We can do Dear Betsy. She's not been in the news a lot recently. Well, no. I guess they've screwed over all those kids that. Went to fraudulent <laughs> universities, but aside from that, she has it. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, it's been. Yeah. Pretty, she's been. Uh, she's too busy uh, denying all the paperwork for the public school tuition reimbursements. <laughs> yeah. All right, ninety nine percent. I envision her with like a giant rubber stamp, just boom. being like, "Oh god, boom. another one, boom, Jeez. boom." <laughs> She, deny all she is she is the, she's, the, she's the survivor though she, she is, is. Yeah. man i can't yeah, keep be- your head down stay out of the news yep i can't believe it all right folks don't go away when we come back we're going to talk about how badly we've ruined childhood uh we're so psyched you're back with us for season three don't go away Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. Still here with Mr. Peter Crable. Indeed, I'm here. Mr. Don't sound so excited. C.H. Siddons. I, I, I would be more excited if um, our equipment worked and I could hear myself <laughs> in both, both ears. Mr. Yeah, Cra- yeah, Mr. Crable yeah. didn't, didn't such a whiner. He didn't get us the, you want the some cheese with that wine. The dongle. He didn't get us a new dongle this summer. As you summer. pointed out, I only had all summer to do it. I know. Just like I had all summer to get. 
Ed's Not Dead swag, which we'll talk about later in the show. Yes. T-shirts and mugs. And stickers. And stickers. <laughs> Siddons loves the stickers. He does love the sticks. Especially when they're like the size of a penny. <laughs> he gives them out to people. Listen, at least I pulled the trigger and did it. Uh, that's true. Hey, okay. look, you've got nice... I've gone done did it. You've got nice skins on your computers. I Ed's do not, not Dead skins. Those are from... Mm. I gave you one. Uh, He got a new computer. Yeah. Oh, look at that new MacBook Pro. Yeah, you know. You big, you big. Listen, you big. Mullet. I am the keystone <laughs> did you, of this podcast. How many, okay? how many deals did you get on Amazon Millennial Boy to get that? <laughs> no, I, this is free. This is free, buddy. You're such a squeeze. I got it for my boy. mom. My mom gave it to me. <laughs> That's even worse. Yeah, she just she wasn't using it. My mama. That, that is a sweet number laptop. two. Guess how many things I bought on Amazon Prime Day this year. Seventeen. Zero. <laughs> okay. Had you had a history in the past? No. Yeah. It doesn't appeal to me. He's just pointing out that he's not Amazon Millennial Boy. Yeah, and I, I don't subscribe to your your silly uh, stereotypes of my generation, <laughs> the generation that will solve the problems that this country has been dealing with from the generations of your. <laughs> you have to admit the millennials tend to be squeakers a little bit with the phones. Yeah, well, we came of age. Oh, I get a great recession, man. Excuse me. Do you remember when the stock market crashed in 1987? I, I had just I graduated from high school, it, yeah. and I don't hide it does every not penny under my compare to bed. The, the, the financial crisis that impacted our generation in 2007, 2008. Does how, not compare. How old were you at 08, by the way? I was 23. Were you teaching? Had you done your first year of teaching? I just started teaching. I oh, see. So you had a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. And then there was a hiring freeze two months later, so okay. I, I made it in. I was a principal. I was lucky. Yeah, you were lucky. You, you got you did get employed. I do you really think that the the O eight that the Great Recession had that much of an impact on the we, outlook? We of did a freaking entire article on it, talking about how I have no recollection. I think it. it did. I think it did in terms of if not if not like jobs but certainly we, we could talk about uh wage increases wait what huh wage increases what about them? is it a stymied wage increases? yeah yeah like uh wage increases and then the 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 ability to pay back student loan debt over a period of time um and the actual ability to actually get a job i i agree i i will i will defer because i was not i was much further along i will say that half my 403b was wiped out so I mean, yeah, yeah, but it didn't probably make me as cynical about about like the, the, the system as it yeah. did for you guys. Um, speaking of cynicism and my generation, because Gen Xers are probably the biggest culprits in the next piece we're going to talk about, <laughs> which is we have ruined childhood for youngsters these days. An hour of free play is like a drop of water in the desert. Mm. Of course. They're miserable. Uh, this is by Kim Brooks in the New York Times. It's a piece that she wrote on how the raising of children and childhood has changed so significantly over the last generation. She starts out by saying a 2019 study published in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology found that between 09 and 17, rates of depression rose by more than 60% among those ages 14 to 17 and 47% among those ages 12 to 13. So she goes on to talk about, is it screens? Is it social media? What's the culprit in the increase in uh, suicide, suicide ideation, anxiety, and depression? And what she basically comes down on, fellas, is that it is child raising. Um, It's parenting. And it's what parents are doing to kids 
that as the um, slice of the middle class pie gets harder to get or get a piece of, that parents are increasingly um, over scheduling, over parenting, um, not letting their kids breathe. And she even cites that some of these uh, psychosocial issues are even more pronounced during school, during school months versus right. during the summer. Right. Uh, that kids don't have a ch- don't really have a chance to be kids, and that it's having a profound impact on their mental health, their wellness, and um, and and on the family in general. So, you guys read it. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree, um, and certainly as someone uh, raising young kids now, uh, it becomes more and more uh, personal, person and relatable. Where it's not just okay, what are these kids that I'm seeing in schools, without really maybe knowing what's going on behind the scenes. And I think the one thing that stuck with me most uh, was when she talks about how um, parenting was once seen as socially necessary labor benefiting the common good, but now is an isolated endeavor. So to me, it all really gets back to community. Um, you know, Tony Morrison passed away over the summer, and I looked for this quote, and I couldn't find it. Uh, she had written some about single parenting, and I won't call it a defense of single parenting per se, but saying that single parenting is not the issue. Um, and those that are being raised by single parents aren't at a deficit, because even those being raised by two parents it's an almost impossible job to be everything for those kids. And then in days past, you had a community of people that looked out for children. So you didn't just look out for your kids, you looked out for other people's kids as well. Uh, And I think there's definitely something to be said for that. And I think that that's what it all gets back to for me about ruining childhood and the overscheduling of everything for kids is that the problem is that when you don't have stuff scheduled for kids, um, there's nobody, there's nothing else. There's no other options. There's nobody else around. There's not a group. There's not a community of people um, that are available to play with your kid, to be around for your kid, uh, to to not to just be, let the kids be. So again, I think that's what it, what it comes back to for me is the sense of community and lack thereof. Well, as, as a parent, as an expert on parenting in the room here, uh, <laughs> just so you know, the best parents are the ones that haven't had kids yet because you know everything. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, I, I do think, um, I was not overscheduled as a child, which I found like looking at some of the things that my wife had to do when she was growing up. I think she, she had, a, she always had a sport or every single season had something to do. Well, it started and, like, with millennials. I didn't ha- I didn't have that. Like I played I one sport and you know, I've tried track in another season. It didn't, it just didn't resonate with me. I worked a job. And when my when I was younger than that, my, when I would get on my parents' nerves, you know, all I can remember is I would they would tell me to draw, yeah. And if if that didn't work, then I was outside, yeah. So leave the house, get out. And I didn't go far; I was just in my yard, and that was what I was told to do. I don't know. This is but one example, but I recently recently read a biography on Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. He grew up, um, you know, fairly affluent. His dad was kind of a, a big muckety muck at Ford, I believe. Yeah, I, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he moved around some, but basically grew up completely alone, and uh, got really into playing with and collecting like toy soldiers. Yeah, he was playing with dolls and stuff too. I <laughs> toy <think>. soldiers? <laughs> no, I think there was a doll. There might have been. Yeah. This, this didn't go into that, but 
a lot of the voices. <laughs> what, what's what, 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 the doll? That's so random. <laughs> no, he played. With, he used to put on skits with dolls. I'm dolls include sol- toy soldiers. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the, right. the voices and the persona and and the the <laughs> acting out that he did as a performer really gestated from his childhood. Right. From not having this and that and that and that yeah. and the other thing. Now, I think he was also probably lonely and a little bit, you know, depressed. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Um. But it's just interesting that, you know, as a comparison point where it's like, okay, kids can, when given the opportunity, can self-direct play. They can do kid things. It's not like the kids today haven't, you know, can't do those things. It's just about giving them the opportunity to do so. I I have cited, have I cited a a Net LaRose book, Unequal Childhoods, before? I don't think so. I don't Um, think so. (sighs) Unequal Childhoods, Class, Race, and Family Life. And so whenever I read this, you know, I always wonder about, parenting patterns in childhood across different groups of of and different cultures because you know i mean is is she only talking about um caucasian children or affluent children is she talking about you know we live in a diverse society now is she talking about kids raised in different socioeconomic strata or or different or or parents of different cultural backgrounds or races um because Annette LaRoe did this very interesting ethnographic study where she positioned herself, embedded herself with families of different classes. And it, it her, her book was received, um, I think it's a great book, but it was, you know, people different, definitely had different opinions on it. What she found was, was that kids in uh, both working class, in working class or working poor both white and African-American households were raised remarkably the same, Mm -hmm. that there was very little difference in how they were raised based on race. Um, What were similar, the parenting patterns were very similar and the childhood was very similar. And she called it, she, she her the way she termed it in the book was a a natural childhood, Mm -hmm. which were, which were, there was much less supervision. Kids were allowed to go out and play and experience life outside of the house um, or wherever they lived in a way that uh, Kim Brooks is saying kids don't. Um, so whether it was going down to the playground or to the woods or wherever, um, that there was that, that kids had a lot more freedom. It was much more natural. Right. Um, but there were some other things that were that were maybe a little bit more unnerving or or I think makes a difference in kids' lives. For example, she found that when um, when a kid, when a, when a child said something to the parent, one of the things that she observed were that working class, working poor parents had very few follow up questions. There was there was there was less engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then she found with both those uh, both with African American and working poor white families, when they came up against the system, like for example, in a parent teacher conference, they were typically less able to push on the system than affluent parents. Right. And she also found that African-American and white parents of, of, of middle or upper middle class raised their kids remarkably the same, mm. highly scheduled, mm-hmm. highly engaged in their, um, in their lives, kind of micromanaging them. And what it taught those kids was that they knew how to advocate for themselves. So if they felt like they were getting shafted or they were, they needed a pushback on a principal or a counselor or a teacher. They knew how to do it. Right. Um, and so I, I just, I just think it's interesting because the, the, 
the natural childhood that, she, that Annette LaRoe talks about is what, what Kim Brooks is saying is lost. Right. I wonder if it does exist still, but maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's a class thing. Annette LaRoe found that it's not necessarily a, a race or culture thing. Well, I think it's an, in, it's also a really good example of how societal <clears throat> culture is developed. And I think once you kind of get inside the echo chamber, it becomes very hard to break out. Yeah. So the line she has here is at the same time that more is demanded of parents, childhood free time and self-directed activities have become taboo. Yeah. And like, real, says who? According to who? Yeah. At any point, anybody could break the mold and say, I'm not going to overschedule my kid. Right. My kids are going to be the one that have less stuff scheduled, more free time, more this, that, or whatever. Now you are bucking the trend for sure. And you're trying to keep up with the neighbors. Exactly. And there's something to be said for all that. Um, but I do think we're kind of at a point where I'm not sure that there was some tacit understanding or agreement that like, yeah, let's all do this. This is the best way to to raise our kids. Yeah. It just sort of happens. And then you have kids and then you find yourself in it. Right. And you're like... Ugh. But you don't recognize the, that uh, the over-scheduling... You, you as an adult might be overscheduled, so therefore you're overscheduling your own children, and then yeah, that just seems exactly, normal. Exactly. But, but in reality, the, there's enough research that says that's, that that's probably not healthy for kids. And like, I do, I do like, think like us doing a podcast on a Saturday <laughs> night, right? Yeah, but I think it's it's. But it's we're all adults, man. Like, yeah. But you're shuttling and instead kids, of playing poker, we're doing a podcast. You're going to piano, and then after piano, you're yeah. going to soccer. And oh, then it's, after it's, soccer, you're going to. It's brutal. Right. I'm 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 caught in the thick of it right now yeah. as a parent. And I'm, we're guilty of it. Yeah. The, and I think the role a school plays is very important in terms of, especially as you get into middle school and high school, where um, we're asking kids to join clubs so that they become, yeah. we want them to feel a sense of belonging, but also... Not to mention, not to mention put a club on their, on their, on, on their, their resume, on, on their app for, right. for college. Right. I mean, that's really important. And the quote that stuck out to me was that the role of school stress and mental distress is backed up by data on the timing of suicide. Suicide rate for children is twice what it is for children during months when school is in session than when it's not in session. So, I mean, the the implications are stark and real and terrifying. And, you know, I think we have, as school employees, we have, we have a role to play in how we support kids to do that. And I think that comes down to not only administrators and teachers, but also counselors. So well, the, I... I in, I can I can tell you a time I remember I started long enough ago in education when kindergarten was still for play. When, when, the fact that it isn't yeah, is uh, mind boggling. But but mind boggling. My my sister was a pre K teacher. Yeah. She she taught in in a program that was equivalent of Head Start without the income requirements. And she always tells me the story that um, one of the a, a great early childhood educator who just so happened to have a grandchild in her class when she was a young pre-K teacher, um, came in her classroom one day to pick up her grandchildren after who were two four-year-olds after school. And my sister just so happened to have some letters on a magnetic board. And she kind of very nicely scolded my sister and said, said, Jenny, what are those, what are you doing with those letters? Um, and, and, and from that point, that was probably 1993, uh, maybe 92, uh, by 10 years later, literacy in kindergarten, not to mention was the thing. pre-K, yeah. had, had taken off. Yeah. But, I mean, and, and then you, so you look at that in the early, in the primary grades, and then what happened with, the, with secondary education, 
when I went to high school, I can't, I'm not even sure there were AP classes. And so you have AP, you have IB, the, the college board now has a huge influence on high schools. Right. And, and there's been this push that I think is a, is a well intentioned and, and the outcomes have been very positive for a lot of kids to get them into higher level rigorous courses. Yeah. Um, I mean, that has benefited a lot of kids but what we're also seeing here is that it's created a, the, the unanticipated, I guess, impacts have been stress and anxiety. And, and the further up you get into schooling, you you have less support in school for that social emotional piece. In middle school, yeah. the the counselors are definitely more available to help with kids mitigating conflict and and depression and issues like that. Right. As you get into high school, what are they focusing on? And They're I think- focusing on. Yeah, but Phyllis Fagel's telling us in these in in but her in her pieces that this to, is happening in middle school. That's yeah. what I'm. What I, what I just want to make one point about is that what are they doing in high school? What are they focusing on? Academics. Well, scheduling. Oh, scheduling. Well, in they're focusing on scheduling a lot of high school counselors. That's what they have to. Oh, focus you on mean okay? Gotcha, all day. Gotcha. Gotcha. All year, and then if that's not that, it's college acceptance, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I might argue a little. I'm not. Bit. Ske- I'm, I'm, ske- I, scheduling nuance. takes up a certain part of the year, but not a lot of the year. College is a big deal, right? So, and and, and, and you're right. Pick, helping kids pick courses and is the a big and deal. the and the average of high school counselors to students is Pretty how many good. to one? Eight hundred to one. Four hundred eighty-two to one. Yeah, and the That's... the recommendation is is something like two hundred fifty to one. Yep. And there's only three states that actually mandate that or right. have hit that ratio. Yeah, and what I was going to say is that I think this all stems back from us treating children like little adults yeah. and not treating them like children yep. and allowing them to be yep. children. children. Right. Exactly. We push into younger and younger ages, adult things yes. and adult schedules and adult important things. Yep. Um, when it's not necessarily developmentally appropriate. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think back to, to season one and we interviewed Zaretta Hammond. Yeah. Um, was that season one? Season one, Jeez. yeah. Okay. And her her daughters, I believe one of them ended up at Harvard or yeah. something she told us. But she would encourage them to to not go to school right. on a day. Yeah. To go outside. Yeah. To go to a park. Yep. To go see something that yep. they wanted to do for no purpose other than the enjoyment of the actual activity. Yeah. And that mentality is less and less and less prevalent, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I, not to good, not to go back to my dad's service again, but I do want to read you that line from my childhood dear friend, Chris O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a letter of, to me about my dad and it was read at my dad's service and it's got some good lines in it. It says all its dents and scratches, notwithstanding my childhood was a happy one in no small part because I grew up down the street from the Dodd family. We had just four or five channels on TV and one of them didn't come in very well. So we learned how to throw a football, how zoysia grass could burn your knees, how to catch a crayfish beta hook, and what the dirt felt like between bare toes. I feel like I caught the tail end of a, t- of a kind of childhood that isn't possible anymore. Some knucklehead would call CPS. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree it's about a, the CPS part, but, right. but he, I mean, I am grateful that we grew up in the 70s. It was kind of the last era of of that natural childhood, at least. You know, I mean, there was just very little parental supervision. Now that came with some issues. I mean, there were certainly things that we were exposed to that we shouldn't have been exposed to because parents were were in some ways checked out of 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 parenting. Right. And then by the eighties, 
you know, life really changed, and and I don't think it's 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 just not the same anymore. Yeah, and, and I think, and I, I think I don't there's some say, generations... at the risk of sounding like the old crank. I'm not saying that my childhood was any better than anybody else. Right. And, and I don't think anybody is saying make it what it was right. or it has to go back. I think we all accept the fact that times change and yep. things change. Yep, oh, absolutely, of course. But at the same time, I do think it bears the conversation that we're having here about, okay, well, how does it affect our kids? And is it good for yeah. our kids? And then further, you know, to the content of this podcast, what is the school's role in it? Yep. And is what schools do and are doing, um, you know, benefiting the whole child? Or yeah. are we, you know, myopically focused on things like academics mm-hmm. or, or how many AP courses they take yeah. or other things that, while important, um, is not to the detriment of literally everything else. But remember, and there are things re- that schools can do that are comprehensive and f- focus on that. There was one school I worked at last year where they did something as simple as the, every teacher knew when everyone else is giving a test. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. So like, I'm not going to give Imagine homework. That. Imagine or, that a testing calendar. What a simple thing, right? <laughs> yeah. so, but seriously, like I know that I'm not going to give a major assignment that day or yeah. I know that my kids are coming in with this on their head. So like yeah. something as simple as that can go a long way for kids. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I do, I do, I'll defend schools a little bit in that, I mean, this is kind of esoteric and existential, but I mean, schools are pressed from the outside externally by society and they tend to react. We have to fix everything. They tend to react to, to what happens. I, you know, I wish parents, and I see it all the time now that I have kids that are teenagers and, um, I said this to you guys before, but the parental need to control outcomes for their kids and not let things happen naturally um, is, is I see it as a problem. And then I also see the celebration of childhood. It gets to your point, Crabes, about not letting kids be kids, but the celebration of, of, of kids' successes to me, sometimes it's just a thinly veiled celebration of ourselves as adults. What we've done, what we've done, and how we've put our kids forward. Correct. Yes, and, and and that that's a little bit appalling at times. Yeah. Um. And I and I think that requires adults and parents to look at themselves. I mean, what, what's your, what are your intentions here? Um. It's that old line: raise the kid you have, not the one you want. And I, I think we it's natural to fall prey to that. Um. But. Uh, it it obviously has consequences. So, anyway, it's good good piece, right, boys? Yeah, it was really thought provoking. Yeah, I liked I re- it. I really I really like it. Casey. You you now you know you're now even more of an expert on parents. You're about to I'm be like, a parent. I'm at like a level eleven now. So we're gonna and we're gonna watch what you do, and uh, we're gonna judge. Cri- we're gonna judge and criticize you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Wait, hold on. There's one quote that I wanted to share that kind of made me laugh. Okay, go ahead. Uh, the quote was, and so for many Americans, the nuclear family has become a lonely institution. And childhood, one long unpaid internship meant to secure a spot in a dwindling middle class. Well, there you go. It's true. Yeah, it's funny. I was just I was just <laughs> looking at that exact paragraph right there. The too. long unpaid internship. Like, oh, God. <laughs> well, we worry that our kids are not gonna. I Be mean, prepared. that's that's the, that's not that's the controlling of the outcomes. Right. We we're, we're if you don't X Y Z at thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, Correct. then Correct. at twenty five, you will not. Right. Whatever. Yep. You you won't you won't get into a good school. You won't. And that that ain't that anxiety living. from a parent transfers to the child oh absolutely 100 percent. yeah i mean they feel, whether consciously or unconsciously they, they they feel it yeah yeah i mean i know my kids feel it when i get when i get clenched about 
about outcomes and about who and what they are and what they've accomplished. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's a natural part of parenting. Parenting is incredibly hard. So I don't want to throw too many bombs at parents. Um, because you know, I mean, I've, I've watched you try to break up your two boys at the pool. <laughs> it's, it's not easy, right? And that's in public. Where I'm like, okay, everybody be cool. I know. <laughs> Everybody's watching and judging. Everybody's judging me right now. I'm such a calm parent. Look at me. <laughs> All right. Don't go away. When we come back, Mr. Sids has a all-time quiz for us. Oh, man. So many good things. We're back in it. Thanks, folks. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead, to our third segment of the show. Mr. Siddons just sprung a new article or topic on us that we, <laughs> yes, need, he did. we need to talk about, because it, <laughs> it has to do with his quiz. Well, you right? know, got to right? do everything I ask you to do. I know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a squeaky wheel. <laughs> Public school fees are soaring in America, Mr. Siddons, right? That's right. All right, so let's see. The big picture... In a short article in Axios based on a longer piece in the Wall Street Journal shows that school districts across the country brought in $6 billion in 2017 from student fees. That is $6 billion. Billion dollars. Activity costs and more up 20% from 2002, 17 years ago, the Wall Street Journal found. The number of schools charging fees also went up. Uh, there's a typo from 61% to 71%. So 10 percentage points in Texas schools cannot charge fees for textbooks in Indiana. Schools can attach a price tag to books, by the way, who uses books anymore, Minnesota and Indiana permit districts to pursue legal action to collect fees that go unpaid. Mr. Siddons, what do you make of fees? I know we, we were accusing you earlier in the show of being somewhat of a squeaker, so this <laughs> might this might this might upset you some. Yeah, I think it's it's indicative of a bigger picture Ooh, of our system. What it is what because is it? a lot of states are cutting back on their public oh, funding for education and school districts have to step up somehow and be like, Well, we need to we need to find a way around this. I know the ACLU is pursuing litigation across the country to stop this from happening, especially in California. Um, my Brother and sister-in-law got a list of things that they needed to buy for my niece, who's going into third grade, which is wild. And it ranges from things from pencils to a bunch of scissors to tissues. And it's just, it's it's odd, considering that public education is supposed to be um, gratis, supposed to be free. And these fees, although, you know, for the middle class and, and upper echelons of our society is fine... It, it puts folks in a bad position for paying for their child's education. But school supply lists at the elementary level have been around forever. I mean, I, when I was an elementary teacher, I sent home a school supply list. Now, I didn't hold parents responsible for buying those things, right. and I had a lot of those things in my classroom. We had recommended lists. They were recommended like middle lists. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I – but these are these – are, in some sense, you're saying mandatory. They have, they have to buy them. I don't know. I, I I don't know that they say that that the letter that my brother got home. I don't know if it was mandatory, but it was like, uh, are you going to be that? Like, we're not going to let our kid show up without anything to contribute. I suppose. Well, this also says a price tag to books. So I wonder. Yeah. Is that you lose a book, you have to pay for it, or is that hey, you're in this class, you need to buy this book. 
That's oh, a good you question. can't buy this book? You're not in this class. Yeah. I don't know. Or good luck. That's a good question. That's known as an obligation. Uh, I've heard of those before. Yes. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> there was also something over the summer about uh, uh, schools going after families for unpaid lunch bills. I saw that. Yes. That's despicable. I would not like to be in that position as a school administrator. Yeah. Going after families to collect their food That's fees. Despicable. Yeah. That, is that despicable? Yeah. A kid can't afford lunch? I, but, I, but what if they can? If they're on free and reduced meals, you would assume that they can't afford it. Right. But then that means that they're getting free and reduced meals. Right. So they shouldn't be charged for something they can't afford. Yeah. But schools, kids going to rack up debt at schools. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they can't pay for it. Oh, yeah. But they're, weren't they like considering putting parents in jail for it i'd heard that i i hadn't heard that whatever it was it was it was like very draconian it was like okay yeah, no, <laughs> i mean I don't, I don't i don't support you that. don't support jail time no i <laughs> do not i do not i mean I'm, okay I'm, it's on the books I'm older, oh. I'm, I'm older school than you guys but i mean schools have always had fees i mean yeah. you, you know uh, you get you have to pay for field trips you have to now schools most schools, I would hope, at least the schools I've worked in, go out of their way to to accommodate, ha- to accommodate and help and help, ki- help yeah. kids in those situations. Um, but the textbooks thing, I mean, textbooks are incredibly expensive. Yeah, they are. So I'm just, I mean, at the high school, this is probably the high school level because that's what about where, that's cat where cadavers. Using. How much do you think cat cadavers <laughs> cost? <laughs> Last one I bought was about twenty five bucks. <laughs> How much? Close. Are, how much? Thirty five dollars. They've gone up a little bit. That's right. Inflation. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh yeah, so they use cat cadavers. What Apparently. happened? What happened to fetal pigs? <laughs> what happened to freeze dried frogs? Frogs. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I they shouldn't do. I frogs. dissected in my seventh grade science class <laughs> right, a chicken wing from local supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing I dissected in my. They just science bought career. like a forty pack for you guys. It was like literally in the package, like the foam. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to her credit, Miss Johnson. Didn't have the supplies, so she went out and bought, yeah. I guess, chicken wings herself. Yeah, that, that was one of my big units in when I taught fourth grade. Was chicken the, wings? No, was the <laughs> was the dissection of owl pellets. Oh, oh, those are gross. I heard. <laughs> those, I just those came disgusting. across what those are like two weeks ago. Oh, uh, they're they're a great way yeah. way for kids to learn. Yeah, yeah they're really um, neat. I mean, you can you get owl pellets from like typically like barred owls. And, um, I mean, they're basically, it's a pellet full of feathers and whatever, whatever the, the, yeah, yeah, whatever the owl throws up. Um, but you can, I mean, kids can get like a whole skeleton of a vole from there (laughs) and it's, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yep. Owl pellets. Anyway. And meanwhile, I was dissecting chicken wings (laughs) from Quinn's market. Was that actually, did the teacher have you do that? Yeah. Is that all they could afford in your town? Apparently, apparently. Because I never dissected anything else. Well, frogs were big when I was... Were frogs still around when you were Frogs were big, yeah. Oh, I did dissect a frog in anatomy. All right, well, come on then. Well, there you go. Uh, Yeah, but it was like... We didn't dissect them, I don't think. I think they came as sort of like pre-flayed... Oh no, we had, to, we had to flay them. We had to flay them. I remember breaking the arm. Yeah, it was gross. No, no, didn't do that. It was unfortunate. I remember the fetal pig that I uh, dissected in wow. in Big Bio as a freshman. I got a C in that class. It was really hard. Uh, uh, imagine. That fetal pig, they had the, the umbilical cord was still attached. Holy oh, moly. Geez, it was really fairly Jeez, gross. Uh, gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's. Uh, 
I'm sure there's a lot of feelings out there about. Oh yeah. About oh yeah. About this topic. I'm uh, sure. Um, I'm not trying to come across as insensitive. No. <laughs> I mean, that's why I got out of biology. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the C. <laughs> What's the quiz? Hey, let's do a says. quiz. All right. Are there ready? Gonna be, are there going to be questions about school fees? Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Multiple choice or... So we have first quiz. First one is about school fees. First quiz. First quiz. Second one is about the wonderful 2020 presidential race. That's taking up a lot of the oxygen in the room. All right, ready? He's, he's going to get us in trouble on Twitter. I'm not going to do with, that. With I'm not going to do that. There will not be any tweets. Is it going to be, is it bipartisan? Are we doing both Republicans and Democrats? Yes. You're sure? Yes. <laughs> All right, go All ahead. All right, quiz. All right. Uh, so Huntington Bank went through a classroom supply list from a variety of schools and put together an index of the cost of the items. Parents of elementary school students can expect to shell out how much, how many dollars per year? 186. This is on average, of course. Of course. And then we'll go to middle school and we'll go to high school. I'll say 300. In the schools that require parents to pay for these things, elementary, $642. A lot of money. How about middle school? Um, 812. I'll go lower. I'll say... Six fifty nine eighteen. Okay. Mm. All right, so and then high schoolers. Crable are Crable and I are one to one here. Uh, high school, I'll say twelve hundred nine hundred five twelve eighty four. Jeez, it's a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, you have you know in in high schools you have. I guess that includes things like your senior dues if you're yep. a senior. Okay, photos, um, photos. It was yeah, rigged I mean, against me. He knows yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah, well, I, I have been a principal <laughs> at all three levels. <laughs> Look at that. That's so, uh, that's so good. All right, next one. Uh, a middle-class family who has a child th- uh, this year can expect to spend how many dollars, uh, on average, raising the child until the age of 18? Oh, my God. A billion. <laughs> <laughs> so from, from, from birth to 18, yep. it's, it's does a- that account for inflation? Uh, adjusted for projected inflation. <laughs> Got it. Very oh, good. That, that affects my calculations. <laughs> it does. I was doing those in my head. You go first. Chris. I don't even want to know because I might run away. <laughs> I'm gonna say doesn't include college, right? No, I don't. 18. No, it does not. I'm include college. assuming public education, so it's not private school, right? Middle uh, class family, middle class family, and that includes food and everything else. I suppose I got a number. All right, you go. One point three million. Whoa. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> okay, that's, maybe that's, 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 that's a little off. That's a little, that's a little high. I was I was gonna say two hundred seventy five thousand. Three hundred thousand. That is. They cost I mean, so much scary, more baby. than that. Which is up from how much in nineteen sixty? Nineteen sixty. Eighty five thousand. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say seventy five. One hundred ninety eight five sixty. Okay, so still pretty steep yeah. in nineteen sixty. A big co- only cost three hundred twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> a big chunk of that cost is education, childcare, the second largest expense for middle and high income families, and the third largest for low income families. <laughs> All right, next part of the quiz. 
these questions We're shifting. Are, the questions are so freaking boring. Oh man, <laughs> our so listeners are cold sauce. Totally asleep. We'll just, we'll just cut it out. It's a good script. It's a good we'll just, No, you don't have to. I, I, I don't need any. I, I don't need your <laughs> reinforcement. <laughs> your validation after I've insulted you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. So we have a, we are, our next Democratic debates coming up at the end of October, near the end of October. How many candidates? Ten. Twelve. Ten. All right. So two two. Oh wait, was that a question? And let's switch gears to the other side of the aisle. How many people are running for president on the Republican side? Three. Three. Who? Joe Walsh, Donald Trump, and that other guy. I almost thought you meant Joe <laughs> Walsh from like the guitarist. Joe, uh, Walsh. Joe Walsh just entered, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I can't remember the other guy either. He's a uh, Bill Weld. That's correct. Oh, Bill, Bill Weld from Mass- Massachusetts. That's right. That's yes. right. Yes. yes. And Rabel knows his politics. Switching back to the left. Yep. Who are the folks that dropped out? Well, I don't want. I don't like these questions. Why? <laughs> this is a freaking education podcast. Yeah, they're they're going to be running the education department. Your education department, Robert. That's right. Who dropped out? Who dropped out? Klobuchar. <laughs> Did I say her name? No, right? <laughs> the Gillibrand. Gillibrand. Okay. And uh, the other guy. There's. Four more. Schultz is not running. Does that count? He dropped out. Sorry, he get, would not run. That's correct. You were. Do, do I get credit? You were for part that? of that list. Yes. Okay. Um, so Schultz is not running. Uh, uh, the guy from Montana, the Bullock. Nope. No. From, He's still all, running. All the guys. Jay, that were, all, Jay Inslee. Jay Inslee's out. Oh, that's good. Crepes. Uh, all the guys that were interchangeable up there. <laughs> John Delaney. No, unfortunately, he's, he's still in. <laughs> See, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. No editorial comments. <laughs> Sorry. Who else? Okay, come on. Give us a rest. Hickenlooper. Oh, that's right. He's out. Okay. And Seth Moulton. I don't don't, know who that is. Who is that guy? And we said Gillibrand. Yes. Okay. Seth Moulton was a representative from... uh, Klobuchar. Yeah. No, she's still in. She's still in. Minnesota. 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 Oh, yeah. And there was another guy who dropped out who was a representative from California. I can't remember his Couldn't name. tell you. He wore an orange tie all the time. Anyway, uh, that was my very exciting quiz. I'm is so, that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay, then. All right. <laughs> Nothing like starting season three with a bang. Jeez. <laughs> that was good, Mr. Sid. Don't take it back. It was no, Now it was you're making good. me uncomfortable. It was really good. I know. You've, you're, you've had these. Jeez. You've had a very nervous laugh the whole show. Oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. Whatever I've said, you've gone like, <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a big announcement that's exciting. Okay. In regards to Ed's Not Dead swag. All right. Yeah, so we're going to make a bunch of swag. We're going to buy it right now <laughs> when we end this segment. But we're going to get... Should I say t-shirts? Can we trust you to get t-shirts made, Robbie? <laughs> I, have, I have a good t-shirt guy. Robbie's got a t-shirt guy. So. <laughs> nice, soft, Gildon t-shirts. Gildon, beefy t-shirts. <laughs> Gildon. I'm the only one that calls it Gildon. <laughs> We're going to have some nice tees. Yes. And if we don't, it's Robbie's fault. Ed's not dead. <laughs> yeah, they're going to say Ed's not dead. How if, can not, I, how, how, if not, it'll be white tees with permanent marker on it. <laughs> how can our listeners get them? I don't know. We, we haven't decided yet. Something about okay. promoting us on social media. Ed, you have to pay Ed, attention to our Twitter account. And mugs. Yeah, we're going to get some mugs. Okay. And uh, a whole crap load of stickers. Okay. Uh, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be nice. That's going to be exciting. We got to we, we gotta get people some Ed's Not Dead swag. Um, I don't think I told you guys this. Mm, I probably should have said this at the beginning of the show. So I reached out to uh, AMLE because I thought we could go to their conference. Emily. 
Emily. Yeah. And Association the door was open for middle level education. No, we were going to do a live. Pod. Yeah, we were going to do. A, we were, we were going to interview people at the at the at the big conference. Yeah, Nashville this year. And I had never been in Nashville. And I had to ruin anything. it because I'll be salmon fishing. Yeah, and You're, my baby was being born. Yeah. So both of you yeah. ruined it. Thanks for yeah. doing that. Yes. <laughs> um, but we. There's that nervous <laughs> laugh again. Uh, really? Come on, dude. Why are you calling me out? That's so uncomfortable. Are you sweating? No, now I am because you're making me feel uncomfortable about it. I want to go home. Do your armpits smell? Jeez. All right, anyway, uh, so last man, was last summer wrote an article about easing the transition to middle school uh, for the February 2020 issue of AMLE magazine, and so I just wanted to double check. So we are going to be one of the feature stories uh, in the February 2020 AMLE Go, magazine. Go, Mr. Craves. Yeah, yeah. I had nothing to do with the article. No, you didn't. Uh, uh, do I get any credit at all? Yes. Okay, I good. put your name on there, but when they ask for headshots, I'm only sending mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. Your headshot was the best of the That's three of us. It was very good. It was very good. Yes. Uh, that is very exciting. It is and, exciting. And I, I'm not even, did I even read it? I don't think so, no. Okay. But I'd like to read it. It's very good. It is good? <laughs> yes. How many words was it? A lot. I don't know. Yeah. Did, you, did you guys have quotes from anybody that we no. know? No. Ginger I, Berry. I included no quotes. Whatsoever. Jim Patterson. No. All right. That is, so that's February 2020. Yes. A few months away. Yes. So right. every episode between now and then, I'm going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. You need to, you need to, uh, you need to plug that all I the will. time. Um, do we have a one T, a, a, a Jim Patterson update? I texted him just the other day. Yeah. We're hopefully meeting up with him. Are we going to call him soon? No. No. He never picks up. Okay. Um, how about any uh, any friends of the show like Mr. Kaz? What's he up to on social media? He's doing his thing. Okay. I did have a friend uh, of mine who was... In I'm afraid to I'm say not, anything. I'm, 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 not going, yeah. I'm, I'm not going okay. to him anymore. I'm, okay. I'm afraid to say anything because uh, I'll get I'll dry get well. I'll look at you, Mr. I'm good. Graves. I'm going to stay in my lane. Okay. Uh, All right. I did have a friend who recently got back from China. He was in China for two years and saw him the other night. Um and he was like, he said something about the podcast, and he's like, I listened, I've listened to every single episode. My buddy John Custer, and I was like, No, you haven't. Why are you lying? He's like, I love podcasts. I've listened to every single one. I was like, What? Seriously? I go, Why? Because <laughs> he has nothing to do with education, but he likes the show. That's really he nice. learns. He said he learned something about things that he knows nothing about, yeah. and he likes that. Yeah, I have my, my buddy Bruce Levin says the same thing. Yeah. He says he's learned so much about education yeah. from us, and he's not in the business, and he just... Uh, there you go. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Hearts and minds. Thanks to John. Yeah. Uh, okay, last thing. Did you, did you do a fantasy draft this year? You I got, did, yeah, you just last week. Yeah. How you, how you, who's your starting QB? Uh, it's a two-quarterback league. Okay. Carson Wentz and Lamar Jackson. Oh, those are good picks, Mr. Yes, they Graves. are. Yeah. Yes, they are. Uh, I got a pretty good good team this year, so did, we'll see. You yeah. psyched? How, what, how many person league? Uh, what is it? Ten. Ten. Ten teams? Ten teams, yeah. PPR? Half. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I went the. I took Melvin Gordon. Oh, that's who currently lovely. doesn't really have a team. But I took him way late. Okay. Well, just sitting good. there. And I took AJ Green, oh, nice. who may no longer have a foot in a, yeah. in a month or two, but that's yeah. okay. You okay. Take a flyer on some people. Good. Who's your, what's your Who's your defense? Uh, Chicago. Oh, that's a good one. The Bears. You got a good team. I do have a good team. Nice job, yeah. Mr. Mr. Siddons. I have uh, Henry Rose as my <laughs> starting quarterback. <laughs> And uh, he's good at the football. Huh? Yeah, John uh, Piscoponi is my <laughs> head of coaching staff. Okay, well, he's head of personnel. Yeah, he's yeah, player yeah. management. Yeah, he, he's your kicker. Uh, Doug Flutie. <laughs> <laughs> Doug. 
Cutie flutey. <laughs> flutie flakes. <laughs> All right, so Mr. Graves, you'll have to keep us updated as the season goes on. Because by the time this show airs, we will be a week into the NFL season. We will. Right? Yes. All right, folks. As always, you can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. Uh, check out our website, edsnotdead.com. We're also on Facebook, Ed's Not Dead. So all three of those things. You can get caught up on our website on the amazing blog posts that Mr. Crable and Mr. Siddons have done consistently without my help over the last couple of years. Right, guys? You know it. And um, we're going to have a teacher tips episode come out soon as well. Yep. Uh, to get your year started off. We didn't really even last year. I think the first two seasons, we kind of brought in both seasons with a celebration of the start of school, which we really didn't do this season. We started a little later this yeah, year. Yeah. So I think most people are pretty well into the swing yeah. of things. School's going. It's going. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. all you teachers, support staff, principals, educators out there, we hope you have a great school year. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to episode one of season three. We appreciate your listening. Spread the word about Ed's Not Dead, and we'll catch you soon. Say goodbye, fellas. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thanks. Thanks.